Thanks for checking out the Reveal Vineyard podcast. We are a Jesus-centered community in El Mirage, Arizona. We hope through these conversations your spirit will be stirred. For more information, you can visit our website at www.revealvineyard.com. Back uh, in the 13th century, Frederick II of Rome uh, held enormous power and did a bunch of experiments, some of them unfortunately with children, but he did an experiment in hopes of determining uh, if humans had an innate natural language. And he wanted to know what language children spoke if they were never spoken to, if they were never played with, caressed, loved on. Uh, and his hope was determined, is our natural language, as he thought maybe it's Greek, maybe it's Latin, or he thought maybe if they're never spoken to, maybe their natural language will be the language, the tongue of their parents. He even toyed with the idea that their natural language would be the language of Adam and Eve, whatever he thought that would be. And so uh, this experiment went on for several years. Children were not talked to. They really weren't uh, you know, played with and, 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 and held and loved and, and, and such. And do you know what language they spoke after a couple of years? They didn't. And it's not because they couldn't speak. It was because, sadly, none of them survived. Uh, In more modern times, in the 20th century, the infant mortality rate in orphanages and uh, children's hospitals was well over, well over 50%. Around World War I, uh, Dr. Fritz Talbert went to a children's hospital in Dusseldorf, Germany, uh, because he was perplexed why this particular hospital uh, had such a lower neonatal death rate. And the hospital, from what he could find, followed customary standards of sanitation. Uh, usual procedures in the nursery were followed. They had the same metal, medical equipment as other uh, hospitals. Uh, and yet their children had a much higher survival rate. And so during his visit, he saw this older, rather plump lady, he writes about, uh, carrying around a child on her hip. And he asked the nurses, he said, who is that woman? And they said, oh, well, that's old Anna. And... When we have exhausted all medical uh, ideas, we give the child to uh, Anna, and she carries the child around on her hip all day, uh, singing to the child, loving the child, kissing the child, caressing the child. And they said more times than not, the baby recovers. They were like, it's, it's a miracle. Dr. Talbert writes his conclusion where he essentially said, in order for human beings to thrive, they need to be touched. Now that seems weird to us, but this was a new discovery uh, in in the realm of of how people live and how human beings, how we survive and how we thrive. Uh, The message spread to America in the 1920s. uh, Dr. Brenneman uh, mandated that all of his orphanage workers would hold and touch and love, and he said mother children several uh, times a day. And what they found over the next several years is that infant mortality rate dropped to less than 10%. A vital human need was discovered, and that is the need of touch. We've since discovered that it just doesn't apply to uh, children, but it applies to seniors as well. Uh, Elderly people who are not touched die sooner. Because of physical contact, even a pet, they've shown, will extend one's life. Unless that pet is a cat. (laughs) And then it swings the other direction. This was a new discovery. In order for humans to thrive, 
they need physical contact. They need to be touched. Now, I want to bend this a little bit because there's a spiritual truth in all of this. The last four weeks, Pastor Mike has been asking, uh, how is your soul? He did a fantastic job with that series. He's been asking, how is your soul? And in matters of faith, if we're going to be healthy and if we're going to thrive, we need to be touched. First, we need to be touched by other people of like-minded faith that will sow into our lives, people who we surround ourselves with, who uh, will, will speak into our lives, who will encourage us, who will touch our lives. Proverbs talks about that iron sharpens iron, and so one man or one woman or one believer sharpens another. There needs to be an interaction. There needs to be a touch. That's why we gather on Sundays. That's why we're launching new regroups that you'll hear about shortly uh, next week, the week to follow, why we're launching new regroups in September. When you came here today, you had an opportunity to touch someone's life. heard a story uh, today of uh, uh, someone a couple weeks ago uh, saw a lady sitting by herself in church and went up and talked to her and just started to get to know her story, uh, has since taken this person out to lunch and began to develop a relationship with them. Uh, and just the story of, of, I came because I was seeking something, needing something. And sadly, she said, I kind of felt like I was off on my own until you walked up to me and you started to engage in this conversation. That is a spiritual significant touch that we all need. We all have opportunity every Sunday when we gather. But not only do we need a touch by others, we need a continual touch. We need to be continually filled with the presence and the empowering spirit of God. That if your faith wants to be healthy and if you want to be spiritually strong, you will need to be significantly touched by God. Without this, just as physical bodies wither in the absence of touch, so our souls wither in the matters of faith. And so today we begin a new series that we're calling Forgotten God, where we will be exploring the tragic neglect of the Holy Spirit. Disastrously, we have neglected a portion of the triune God that we worship. Now, Scripture talks about there is God the Father, there is God the Son, and there is God the Holy Spirit, but it's not three separate gods. It's one God, Scripture says, with three distinct persons, and it's difficult to get our minds around that, but it's known as the Trinity. It is the the triune God. And we can grasp the idea of God as Father, right? Everyone has a father, or maybe you are a father, and we can get the idea of what a good father is supposed to be like. And most of us can get the idea of God the Son. Maybe you are a son, or you have a son, and we get the idea that the Son reflects the image of the Father. But then there's this other guy. There's God the Holy Spirit that we're, if we're honest, we're not quite sure what to do with him. It's like, God the Father, yeah, God the Son, yeah, but God the Holy Spirit, it's like, I'm, I'm, not, I'm not sure. What is his role? What, 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 what do we do? What, what, what's his, what, how does he interact with us? What, what does that look like? And so if we're honest, we have neglected the presence and the power and the role of the Holy Spirit in our lives and in the life of the church as a whole, and it has had disastrous results. We have been left isolated and empty and void of spiritual power, and now we just live out our Christian faith, many, under our own power and under our own resolve. And the Holy Spirit really is, as we're going to unpack this over the next three weeks, is the forgotten God and maybe the key to you stepping into a more vital, 
faith experience that you may have been missing for all of these years. So let's pray. Lord, uh, we're going to just unpack some great scripture and uh, something that I pray would be eye-opening and empowering to all of us and would ask us, uh, would, would cause us to ask ourselves some questions. What do I believe about the Holy Spirit? Where is the Holy Spirit's role in my life? Am I living under the power and the influence of the Holy Spirit? And I pray that over the next three weeks that there would be an infilling that would occur in all of us that we would receive something that we have been missing. And I pray that you would make that evident to us. I pray even as we uh, continue with our service and our worship through the act of giving. And we don't want to uh, give out of... um, anger or uh, we don't want to give in a way that isn't joyful, but we want to give in a way that is out of our worship and give out of an attitude of putting you first, even over our finances. And that's difficult for us. Finances have a grip on all of us, but we want to place you first in our lives and all things. And so we give with joy uh, to continue the work of the kingdom of God here in our church and in our community and in the activities that we are involved in throughout the world. In Jesus' name, amen. I've been reading a book, we'll put it up on the screen, uh, called Forgotten God uh, by Francis Chan. Forgotten God, reversing our tragic neglect of the Holy Spirit. I would suggest that every person who is a follower of Christ in this room read this book. I've never suggested that before, besides the Bible. And when I write a book, I'll suggest it about my book. I'm joking, there's nothing in the pipeline. I would strongly suggest you grab this book. Now, uh, I'm going to be here Wednesday night at 7 o'clock in the lobby. If you want to come and maybe read two or three chapters, and we'll discuss it. Maybe I'll be here with one person. Maybe I'll be here with ten. Maybe I'll be here alone. I'm okay with that. I'm okay being alone. Wednesday, 7 o'clock. Grab a digital copy, even if you don't have a tablet or anything like this. Download the Kindle app. You can read it on your computer. The book is cheap. It's an easy read. I'd like it to discuss it with you further. If you can swing it, 7 o'clock here at the church, we'll kind of unpack this idea. We'll meet for several weeks and just kind of see uh, where it goes. But Chan begins to unpack our, uh, our neglect of the Holy Spirit, where he says this, from my perspective, the Holy Spirit is neglected for all practical purposes, forgotten in the church and the life of the believer. He says, while no Christian would deny his existence, I'm willing to bet there are millions of churchgoers across America who cannot confidently say they've experienced his presence or action in their lives in the past year. I want you to consider something. Ask yourself this question. When was the last time you experienced the Holy Spirit? When was the last time that you had a definable moment of the Holy Spirit's power working in you and through you to empower you to do something that you could not do on your own. Think about that for a moment. What does that look like for you? He goes on to say, if I were Satan, my ultimate goal was to thwart, uh, and my ultimate goal was to thwart God's kingdom and purpose, one of my main strategies would be to get churchgoers to ignore the Holy Spirit. To the degree to which this has happened, and he says, and I would argue that it is a prolific disease, widespread in the body of Christ. 
is directly connected to the dissatisfaction most of us feel with and in the church. We understand something very important is missing. The feeling is so strong that some have run away from the church and from God's word completely. Francis Chan asks, what if that something is actually a someone that is missing? By by neglecting the Holy Spirit, we have uh, been left spiritually feeble, really, floundering to live out our faith. Listen, without the Spirit, we're left floundering, trying to live out our faith fueled by human effort. And if you were honest today, and I will be honest with you, there have been numerous times throughout my faith journey where my faith was largely sustained by my own effort, by my own trying, by my own resolve, and if I'm honest with you, I was slowly dying. What would it look like for our faith to be fueled not by our own resolve, not by our own effort, but be fueled by what Scripture talks about, the power of the Holy Spirit indwelling us, where he allows us to do what Jesus has called us to do? If you're frustrated with your faith, there is a good chance that the Holy Spirit has been a forgotten God in your life. Chan gives the example. He says, if you were to grow up on a desert island, and if all you had for 20 years was scripture to read, and you read scripture front to back numerous, numerous, numerous times a year, he said, you would come to believe that the Holy Spirit's role in the life of a believer is every bit as important as the air that we, the air that we breathe. He says, it is that clear in Scripture that if all you could read was, was, was the, the Bible, void of any connection to the church and how people live today in modern Christianity, if all you had was the Bible, he said, you would be convinced that, convinced that this idea of the Holy Spirit was vital to living our faith. And then he said, and if you got off that island and you walked into the typical church or you talked to the typical believer, you would be shocked at the absence of the Holy Spirit that you have just read about. And that's why Chan says he is the forgotten God. The Father, yeah, the Son, rah, rah. The Spirit, not exactly sure. And yet so many of us, I think, are living a spiritless life. And it's not that we don't want to follow Jesus. It's not that we don't want to serve Jesus. It's not that we don't want to be a part of the kingdom. I think that our problem is is that we try and try and try under our own resolve and with our own effort, and you know where that leaves you. Eventually, we all burn out. And I see it as your pastor. We burn out, and we slowly begin to fade, and we slowly fade further away, and you'll make an effort to come back, but we slowly begin to fade because we largely try to live our faith without the empowering of the Holy Spirit. And we're going to read in just a moment, Jesus never intended for our faith to be fueled by our own effort and by our own dynamics. We are lacking the dunamis of the Holy Spirit. Look at Acts 1.8. It says this, that you will receive power, the Greek word there is dunamis, when the Holy Spirit 
comes upon you. It's a supernatural ability to do what you could not do in the past. Now, it's the root of our English words dynamite or dynamo or dynamic. In other words, there is a a, a dynamic power of the Holy Spirit that comes upon the believer to do what we could not do in the past. And so if we are floundering in our faith, let's just take a step back and ask, where is the dynamic dynamite power of the Holy Spirit in our lives. Is it anywhere? Is it anywhere in our church? Is it anywhere in the churches of Western Christianity? Or have we largely been left powerless? This is how the early followers of Christ, listen, this is how the early followers of Christ went from hiding in fear and floundering around in their faith to being men and women that literally changed the world because there was an outpouring of the Holy Spirit upon them and when that Spirit came, they received power to live out their faith in a way that they could not do previously. This is what we're missing. You you all received a balloon when you came in. Uh, This balloon, we spare no expense here at Reveal, this balloon represents our spiritual lives which are deflated, right? We're far from God. And then we come to Christ and and the Holy Spirit is supposed to uh, live in us and fill us. And the Bible repeatedly talks about the filling, the filling of the Holy Spirit. And so the Holy Spirit comes and fills us, right? And so we get this filling of the Holy Spirit. And and if, if, if we remain and if we ask and if we seek and we submit, he fills us even more. And so we're no longer this deflated shell, but something is being imparted into us. How big, how much of the Spirit you get was how much we're going to submit ourselves to the move of the Spirit. Matter of fact, I want everyone, just go ahead and blow up your balloon right now. How big do you want to get? Listen, if somebody asks you, are you putting on the pounds? Just say, friend, that's Holy Spirit weight. That's all that is. Go ahead, just blow it up. Everybody, blow up your balloon. Don't pop it, all right? That's a whole other problem. All right, now, you got your balloon blown up. Some of you are already hyperventilating. You need to hit the gym. Hold your balloon over your head, all right? Some of you, you went with a little Holy Spirit. Some of you went with a lot of the Holy Spirit. This is what it looks like without the Holy Spirit. Just, just do that. Just let it go. There you, go. you hear that flatulent sound? That's the Christian life without the Holy Spirit. We spare no expense here at Reveal. The idea is, is that we are empty and we need to be filled. Moody was asked, why do you need to continually be filled with the Holy Spirit? And he said, because I leak. And we do, we leak. And the Bible talks about this idea of being repeatedly filled with the Holy Spirit, with the dunamis, the power of the Holy Spirit in order to live out the faith that we all want to live out. That's why you're here. But I think we've become somewhat jaded because we've tried to live our faith outside of the power of the Spirit. If I were to give you a choice today, uh, if I was to tell you, you could either have Jesus with you physically or you can have this Holy Spirit in you. You can either have Jesus with you physically, seated next to you right now. That'd be pretty cool. Or you can have the Holy Spirit in you. Now, having Jesus with us would be pretty epic. I mean, think about that. It's traffic on I-10 and he's like, 
right? Parts it. You're sick before you even get the medicine open. You're like, I don't need it. I feel better. Friends come over for dinner unannounced and the food multiplies. And you're like, this is awesome. You're never running out of wine at your party. And the good stuff, not that box wine you're getting at BevMo, right? Your dog gets hit by a car. Jesus is there instantly to raise Fluffy back to life. Your cat gets hit by a car. Jesus is there instantly to bury it, right? It just, it'd be an amazing thing. And so having Jesus with us in the flesh, listen, it would be amazing. But now listen, listen. Jesus said, if you chose Jesus with you versus the Holy Spirit in you, Jesus said, you chose poorly. Which is kind of mind-blowing. It, it, it's kind of odd to even think about that. But see, I, I think there's something, and we're going to touch on that in just a moment. I think there's something in us that we want more to our faith. I think we're wired to want more of God's presence. I think we want to move beyond what is natural and what can be easily understood and controlled. And I I think God placed this craving in us to want something that is not just a naturally human-driven faith. That we want something that we cannot see or something that we cannot quantify. That we want to be inspired to hold on regardless of circumstances. And we want to be equipped to step out of an ordinary existence that sucks the life and the joy and the passion out of life. And we want something more and we just don't know where to find it. And so we stumble into the church and we're all for Jesus, and we're all for the Father, and yet we're leaving out this aspect of the Holy Spirit that is what brings faith, the dynamics of faith, to life. Listen to what Jesus told his disciples in John 16. This is strong. He says, Now I am going to him who sent me, yet none of you ask me, where are you going? Because I have said these things, you are filled with grief. So Jesus is telling them, look, I'm getting ready to leave you. And the disciples are freaking out. They're like, well, what are we supposed to do without you? Right? And then he goes on to verse 7, and he says, But I tell you the truth. It is for your, what's the word? All of us. It is for your, he says, it is for your good. Other translation says, it is to your advantage that I am going away. Because unless I go away, the counselor, other translations say the advocate, the helper, or the comforter, will not come to you. But if I go, I will send you. Here's what Jesus is saying. Hey, it's been a great three plus years. Blind eyes, deaf ears open, dead came back to life, 5,000 fed with a couple filet of fish sandwiches. It's been a good run. But he's saying, as good as it is having me with you, something better is about to happen. And the only way it happens is if I leave you. That me leaving is actually to your advantage. You don't understand it, but you need me to go. You want me to go. And things that you don't talk about at parties, you want me to leave you. A few good men, thank you very much. (laughs) Right? And so this is what Jesus is saying. He's like, because when I leave in my place, listen, in my place, I'm going to send you what you need to live out the faith that I've called you to live. This is strong because most of us would say, Jesus with me or the Spirit in me, I'd take Jesus with me. And Jesus said, you missed it. Earlier in chapter 14, he's trying to explain to his disciples what's about to happen, and he says this. And I will ask the Father, and he will give you another helper. Again, other translations, comforter, counselor, advocate, to be with you forever. Now, why these different words 
different translations. Uh, we're trying to translate a very difficult Greek word into English that would make sense, and that word is paraclete. Now, not parakeet. It's not that he's sending us a little yellow bird, right? It's paraclete. And the idea is it's someone who is called to one side or was called to one's aid. And so Jesus says, it is to your advantage that I leave because I am going to send you the paraclete. I'm going to send you another who is going to come to your aid to help you live out your faith, to empower you to live out your faith. Now, there's two Greek words that Jesus could have used here uh, for this idea of another. Go to the next slide, if you wouldn't mind. The first uh, is this word allos, which means another of the same kind. The other word for another would be heteros, which means another of a different kind. The word that Jesus says when it says, when I will give you another, is allos, meaning another of the same kind. Jesus is saying, when I leave you, I will send you not someone who is kind of like me, not someone who resembles me, but I will send you someone who is exactly like me. In other words, you've not been left with a third string quarterback. Anyone remember the third string quarterback from the Cardinals last year? Yeah, come on. No one remembers a third-string quarterback unless you got him in your fantasy draft by accident, right? And so th- this isn't what Jesus is talking about. It's not like I'm leaving and I'm sending you a third string. He's like, I am sending you someone who is just like me. Now, let's read our entire block of text of John 14. If you love me, you will keep my commandments. And I will ask the Father, and he will give you another, someone just like me. He will give you another helper or another comforter, another counselor, another advocate, a paraclete to be with you forever. Even the spirit of truth, whom the world cannot receive because it neither sees him nor knows him, but you know him, for he dwells with you and will be in you. I will not leave you as orphans, but I will come to you. Notice the pronouns he and him. The spirit, Holy Spirit, is not a force. It's not a mist. It's not an aura. It's a person. And cats this idea of Jesus saying, look, I've been with you for three plus years, but the Holy Spirit will not just be with you. The Holy Spirit will actually dwell in you. And how long will he be with you? Forever. Forever. That you are not orphans who have been abandoned, that you're not to live out this faith alone and just kind of floundering as children without a parent. But Jesus said, I'm coming to you, another who is just like me, is coming in my place to empower you, dunamis, to do the Christian faith that I believe you want to live out. Jesus says, it's this important. Early Christians were asked, where is your temple? And they were asked, where does your God dwell? They were asked, where is the holy mountain that we need to go to? Where is your pilgrimage? And they were kind of lost because they didn't have any of that. And they just said, well, I'm the temple. The God that I worship lives in me, which was unheard of at that time. There was always a place that you traveled. There was always a location. It was always building-centric. And yet here these new followers are saying, there's none of that. I am the temple and the Holy Spirit, the Spirit of God, actually lives in me. That's what Romans 8 11 says, the Spirit of God who raised Jesus from the dead now lives in you. And this is what empowers you to live your faith. It's not by your own resolve. It's not by your own effort. You are not left to navigate the challenges of life alone. We are not orphans, unloved and uncared for. We're not abandoned to live, limp through life waiting for the sweet release of death. 
we have a counselor that guides us, a helper that comes to our aid, an advocate that fights for us, and a comforter that sustains us under all weights of trials and hardship. But this is also the God that we have forgotten. And then we wonder why our Christian faith is so dead. And so over the next couple weeks, we're going to unpack this. Because here's what I believe. Regardless of where you find yourself today, regardless of what your circumstances are surrounding your life, regardless of what battle you may find yourself in, regardless of whether you are spiritually ripe or you are spiritually dying, doesn't matter what has been lost, what has been stolen, what is missing, God declares with confidence, I have exactly what you need. And what you need to get to the next chapter of your life with dynamic faith is not another book. It's not even another church service. It's not another top five worship song. What you need is a touch from the Holy Spirit of God. And without it, you may make it to your deathbed, but your faith is going to be full, filled with frustration and wondering. And so what I'm asking you in the next couple weeks is that we would just take a step back And we would begin to ask to be filled and empowered with the Holy Spirit again. And then you would begin to step out to try something that you have not had the ability to do. To see how the Holy Spirit is empowering you. And we're going to really break this down, what it means to grieve the Holy Spirit and and all, all of those types of things. And we're going to allow some time for the Holy Spirit to speak to us and just kind of see where all this is going to go. But if he is the forgotten God in your life, Let's begin to turn that and begin to allow space and room for the Holy Spirit of God, for his dunamis, his dynamic power to live in us. Forgotten God. Francis Chan, do you have that last slide we'll put up there? Reversing the tragic neglect of the Holy Spirit, Wednesday, 7 o'clock, I'll be here. If you want to come down, we'll sit around for an hour or so chat about the book, read the first two, three chapters, and um, let's have some stimulating discussion. Let's pray. Lord, I hope that today uh, maybe we were just maybe poked a little bit by the Holy Spirit who has said, yes, I have been neglected, and I've been moved off to the side, and I've kind of been forgotten. And so today we want to write that by approaching you And beginning to ask for you to fill us. Ask for you to empower us. And so I pray that upon every person in this church. Every person whose faith is stagnant. Every person who is struggling. Every person who finds himself weak. Every person who finds themselves with doubt surrounding their faith. I pray that you would begin to supernaturally fill them and inflate them with the power of the Spirit of God to empower us to do what we have not been able to do on our own, to empower us to live out our faith at work and in our family and in our schools. Empower us, we pray. Look forward to seeing what you're going to do in the next several weeks. In the name of Jesus, amen. All right, church, next week, commit to being here for the next couple weeks. I think it's going to be a dynamic, powerful uh, 
uh, series for you. Pick up that book. I hope to see you Wednesday. We'll chat a little bit about it. God bless you. If you need prayer, we'll have some people down here that will pray for you. God bless. Yeah.